I can remember uh, having a, a family situation where our relationship was very strained, which I can remember a few times in my history of, of having uh, a family and growing up and then having my own family. I can remember times when our, I had relationships that were extremely strained. You know that, that times when you've had that argument with somebody? I'm not even talking about my wife. I just want to put that aside, okay? We are not talking about this relationship. We're just talking about other relationships. I thought I might clarify that. But well, there's been times, and I can name them, I won't name them, when I've had a relationship that's either been connected to me or connected to Melinda where it's been extremely strained. So strained that you're not really sure what's going to happen. It could become a little bit volatile. Now, I know that I'm only talking about my own experiences and I, I know you guys being so awesome but have never been in that experience and you have family members that all love and cherish you and everyone works together. And, but if you, if you fit into that small category where you can, you can comprehend what I'm talking about and you can grasp the fact that of, a, of how to deal with a strained relationship, I can remember this relationship was so strained I had no idea how to fix it, but I knew I had to fix it. And I can remember those circumstances that were surrounding around it and everybody in that situation had thought they had the right motivation. Everybody was thinking, okay, this is, this is what we want, this is the right thing to do, so we're, we're basing in everything that we're doing, our actions based upon that. Everybody was thinking this is the right way to be. Everyone was trying to work it out, but... But because we had difference of opinion, different situations, we saw it completely different. And because we saw it completely different, that's why there was a, dis a heavily discussed <coughs> item. That's why it was, became very strained. It's because our perspectives just simply weren't the same. And because our perspectives weren't the same, our desired outcome wasn't the same. And therefore, because our desired outcome wasn't the same, there was no way to actually have the same outcome. But because I can remember that situation and not knowing what to do and, 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 and saying, God, well, I know, I know, like I know that I have to fix this, I just don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to put the pieces back together to restore this. I have a little phrase that I use often and you'll often hear me, if you ever hear it, you need to take note. Something that I have begun to live by a long period of time that is the relationship is more more important than the issue there are often times that my wife and I have discussions right they never get too heated not anymore they become less and less I think it's because I just learned that it's pointless and arguing um, because all it does is strain the relationship right but it's always coming back to that phrase of saying the relationship is more important than the issue. It doesn't matter what happens between me and Melinda, Melinda and I, the relationship is more important. The connection that we have is more important. The issue can be put aside, but this has to be right. And if we're not right here, then I can't actually work out the issue. And so knowing that information, but not knowing how to fix it, what do you do? 
I can remember turning to God and praying about it and seeking God and going, I need an answer for this. And I can also remember going to seeking counsel. And I remember when I sought counsel, the person who I sought counsel from had this cracker of a scripture for me. He had a cracker of a scripture that I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. And it just comes through my desire by seeking God that comes through also my desire to get in counsel and my desire to actually fix the problem. So I'm going to tell you that scripture. It's in 1 Peter 2.17. It says, Honour everybody. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honour the emperor or the king. In a nutshell, let me put it this way. It says, you know what? You've got to honour everybody. You respect everybody. You've got to make sure that your connection with the other body is right. You've got to make sure the relationship is right. And realistically, it doesn't matter about the issue. And you've got to fear God. And then you've got to honour the king, who is Jesus. And it's the last bit, honour the king, right? Because the Bible is God's word. And Jesus is the king and the king is that if I don't honour what's actually written, 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 written in the word, if I don't apply what he's actually written to me or given to me, I don't actually honour who Jesus is. So when I got this passage of scripture, I sat there mulling it over for a while, not fully grasping what it meant. And then it hit me, I knew exactly what I had to do. I had to give in to the situation and allow the other person to win. Or allow the other person to think they won by surrendering what I wanted. And what actually took place is by me surrendering, the relationship was able to be mended and the issue was able to be separated and I was able to let go of it and I was able to reconnect with that person and I was able to fear God and I was able then to honour the king. I'm going to give you a little bit of tactic, right? Sometimes you have to give up the battle in order to win the war. Sometimes by giving up a little bit of ground, you're able to win the war. I have learned a lot of things in my life. Some of them have been very pleasant to receive and some of them have not. Some of them have been long, strenuous things, but I find that generally God likes to talk to me with a piece of 4B2. That's getting smacked in the back of the head going, Pete, wake up. I can count many times and it takes more than just my hands to count the times when God has said, okay, now you need to radically change your thinking to what is actually truly important. This is my first message of my new series called Cloud of Witnesses. We're going to be looking through the Bible at people that have gone before us. People that we can grasp what they've said 
and what they've done and their experiences because that, at the end of the day, is what the Bible is. In a nutshell, it's a story or the stories of people relating to God. God connecting with them in a relationship, going through a journey, going through an experience and then getting to experience who God is and what he is and how faithful he is and then seeing the answer at the end of it. We have this ability called hindsight. Everyone knows what that is, you know. You get to read the stories of when God did something through somebody, but you get to read it from a finished position. The difference is you're not in the finished position. You're in the during position. So our ability to read what God did in a finished position and apply it to a during position gives us the encouragement, gives us strength, gives us ideas or understanding of who God is and what he can do in our circumstances. God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow, which means he doesn't change. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for you. You know, we sung that song, um, God is my healer, right? But that first bit, that's why I got this to sing us again, is because that first bit is, I believe. We need to start confessing the promises of God into our lives. Start speaking those things, those principles, those desires we have that line up with the word of God back into our lives. That you are my healer. Now that might sound odd because I'm standing up here and my right arm's in a sling, but that doesn't change anything. Because God is still my healer. I just haven't received it yet. I have sometimes wondered, if I haven't received it yet, is it based upon me or is it based upon maybe the people that are around me? Moses waited 40 years for a promise to be fulfilled. Abraham waited over 100. Actually, and entirely, he never actually got to see the fullness of the promise that God gave him. He only got to see the first step of it. So I wonder if we could actually have the same faith as those that have gone before us, holding on to not a huge amount, but the principles and the promises of God throughout our journey. If you've never read Hebrews, I suggest you read it. It's a great book. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's the book of faith, or the chapter of faith. And it starts off with the definition of faith, and then it goes through those who've gone before us and shows their stories. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Cain and Abel did this. By faith, Noah did this. By the faith, Isaac did this. By faith, Israel did this. There are so many different stories throughout the Bible of what people did just by standing on the principles of God. And they did not have the luxuries of having the Bible or having all these movies now or watching all these different things or having all these people that have gone before them. They were pioneers. Abraham was a pioneer of faith. That's why it's credited to him as righteousness because he had no one that went before him. He stood alone. But he grasped hold of the principles that God gave him and said, by faith, I will. But it's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, 
Now remember, therefore is a joining word. And it means everything you've just writ- read, listen now to this. So in Hebrews chapter 11, where it's the chapter of faith, and it talks about all those who've gone before us in a step of faith, now it's saying, listen, just because you've read that about all those who went before you in faith, listen. It says, since we also have such a great or large cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us, surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight. That's every burden. That's every worry. That's every concern you might have. And the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross, and despite the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. I said before that the word therefore is a joining word. It's a connection that what you just read now, listen to this. There have been so many people that have gone before us. You can buy books and books and books and series and videos and movies of all the stories of people who have stood in the gap. Those people who have gone through the centuries of centuries and stood for the name of Jesus in the most perilous of times. If you've never read it, I suggest you get the book of, uh, it's called the Fox Books of Martyrs. It's all the people, well, that they know of that have died as martyrs of Christ for his name. That means they stood on the principles of his word and lost their life because of it. I started reading it and I had to put it away. Because it cuts you to the core, because it gets to the point where you realise, hang on, I can do this so much better. I remember when I became a Christian. Because somebody gave me it. And I can remember reading the stories of where a Russian Christian who was in the, in the Russian army, and they found out that he was a Christian. If you don't understand the full context of it, uh, Russian is a communist country. You're not allowed to be a Christian. And in the midst of Siberian weather, right? Siberia is like one of those places that gets really cold all year round. Actually, never, never actually gets, I don't think, real warm. But anyway, and they made this soldier stand in the midst of a Siberian winter. And he froze to death. And they said to him, he said, you you know what, you run out to Christ and come inside. He never did. He stood on the principles, he says, you know what, the Bible says that if I denounce Christ, if I reject Christ, then he rejects me or he renounces me. I cannot bend my knee. I cannot surrender this. I must hold to what he is. I must hold to my convictions. And the, books, the book is so full of all those people who have gone before us and stood on the very principles that we have in the Bible and gone through hell and back. Who have gone through the perilous times and discouraging times and when people never stood and encouraged them and yet they didn't falter. And then all the people in the Bible, you can read them. This is why you're supposed to read them and get encouragement from them and go, you know what, God came through for them and he will come through with me. It may not say in your situation right now in the 21st century, you know what, I've got an electricity bill. And the Bible doesn't say anything about electricity bills, but it does say about provision. 
They're stories that are supposed to encourage us and challenge us. The large cloud of witnesses that we have today is because of so many people that have gone before us. So many people that paved the way. It was the 12 disciples who brought the gospel to the known world. And then from there it spread. You have the luxuries and you have the blessings of being able to pick up a Bible and read it because someone brought it here. You go to China. I've been in China. And they live in fear of their life. We went to an underground church. That's right. It's hidden. And we had to catch like three trains. And they were, they were petrified, so our group had actually be split up in two. And it was in a... This, this message won't mean anything, so... Um, we had to split up in two and we went to this, this bookshop. But three days beforehand, we had actually met... It's going to sound odd. The government church pastor. Which means the government actually allows a church to exist, a Christian church but they control what is said and what is done. And we met him when we had a good chat and, and whatnot. And then we got connected with this, this underground church. And we went into this place and we had a great time. As a, but they were, they were fearful of what they called the special police. And the special police's job is actually to go out and find Christians. And it was a great experience. Even when we went to do some tourist things, like we went and saw the Great Wall of China, we had our tour guide and we had a Communist Party member who was our driver. Why? Because we were foreigners. And there's so many stories, even in, in, from China, of when people have just stood for their faith and it cost them their life. And you don't actually have to give up your life, Okay. But sometimes we just need to grab hold of these, these principles in, the, in these pages. And we need to grasp hold of what has actually been said and reading the word and reading the stories and not just seeing them as pages or words on a page. But hang on, this is someone's life. You read the Psalms. And Psalms are like songs. But you read the ones about David and depending on where he is in his life is depending on what's actually said in it. And there's songs and there's people crying out and sharing what's actually taking place in here. And their situation is no different to our situation. We just need to understand it, hang on, what they were going through. And we can comprehend it from what they were going through and bring it back over to here. Now you're going to lose some in context and you're going to lose some in, in, in society and, and different things like that. Culture. But you can still grasp the principles that they were applying and the principles that we can apply today. The Bible is a story of, relate, of God relating to his people. There's no reason why we should be burdened anxieties or stresses. Because in Matthew chapter 6, it talks about the, 
God looks after the birds. And he'll look after you. Because aren't you more valuable than they are? What are you talking about? Okay, let's go to Genesis. You always go back to Genesis, right? We have this joke and maximize. Because right? everything goes back to Genesis. God gave man dominion. And he is the only, or we are the only creation formed in the image of God according to his likeness. We're the only image, we're God, the only creation that God actually breathed his breath of life into. So yes, you are more important than the birds of the air. But God actually built a functioning within them for a way of survival and growth. And God actually produces the, the plants and the grass and whatever else for them to actually grab the food so they can survive and build their nests and reproduce and all the other things. And if he can do that in a life cycle, then he's going to do it for you. Because aren't you more valuable than the birds of the air? If he cares about the small little insects, you know, the tiny little ones that in a microscope to see the ants or smaller microorganisms, microorganisms, then he cares about you. And he cares about us so, so, so much that he actually put all the stories of those gone beforehand. Holy Spirit inspired events that took place in people's lives that he actually wrote them down so you could read them and so you could get encouragement. And this whole new series that I'm doing is about grasping different people. And seriously, we could, we could go for the next three years or more. But we won't go that long. I'm just getting people's different lives and reading them in different contexts. Read them in different points, what we can learn from this person, what we can learn from this person, what we can't learn from this person, or what we shouldn't do from that person, and what we should This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And each one of us is on a journey from the point of birth to the point of eternity. And in the that, there's a whole bunch of steps that take place in your life, different situations. I can tell you a situation that is actually quite crazy. I got locked out of my house. I was living in Melbourne. Locked out of my house. The wind blew the door shut. Right? And I grabbed a brick because the only way I could work to get it back in the house was to smash a window. And I grabbed the brick and put it right against the window. And normally windows break. This did not. I must have hit it four or five times and realised this isn't going to work. But I can tell you different times when God did things and when he didn't do things. I can tell you times when the most logical thing that should have happened did not happen. Just because of God did things. God did different things and he stopped different things or he allowed things to happen. I can tell you times when I went through the worst times of my life. That's because God allowed me to. I can tell you times when I should have been wiped out. And that's even before my accident. But there are all times when God had his finger on the situation. I can remember when I became, when I gave my heart back to Jesus when I made a rededication and, and we went on a little bit of a journey and God actually took me back to different times and showed me that he moved and he did things and he stopped different things that happened and he allowed different things. And I could see his fingerprint on my life. And say, oh my gosh, that was you. 
I wondered why that didn't happen. I wondered why that did happen. It was you. Because even if you don't fully grasp or fully understand that there is God moving, he is still moving. He often moves in the shadows. It's because it's harder to grasp who he is when you haven't fully seen how he's moved. We are so desperately needing to understand everything, to understand every step that takes place. But sometimes we just need to receive it by faith, that God is in control, that he does have our best interest in our hands. The only difference is our desire isn't his out, his best interest. This series, if I, if I get it right, it'll work, but if I don't, it'll yeah, is an opportunity to break open some other people that you may not have listened, read, or maybe you've glanced over, or maybe you haven't fully grasped, or fully heard, or fully read. But there are going to be stories of where we read different people's lives. And we see where we put God first, God comes through, where we say we, we put God somewhere and hope he comes through. Because I'm telling you, the more principles of God you put into your life, you put first, that you apply to your life, the more things it opens up. It's just, it's just the way it works. I mean, the creator of the universe the one who spoke the existence of mankind, the, work, the one who spoke the world into existence then laid out a map and said, this is the way you go, you put this in the place and this will happen. But if we don't spend time reading his word, how can you ever know? How can you grasp encouragement from someone who's gone through a like situation if you actually never talk to them or read their story. Change isn't change until it's changed. I think a lot of people desire change. And that's about where it leaves. Oh, we want a better life, but we do nothing about it. Maybe we should look at what we're actually putting in ourselves the TV programs, the books we're reading, the people we're talking with. I read books these days. I know, I've never been a real book reader, but it's something that I've been, I have to read more. And I don't read books about, oh, it makes me feel good. I'm, reading, I'm looking for books that will actually stir me, that will cause me to desire to be something that I'm not. I have a habit of reading a leadership book every so often, and I don't generally read Christian leadership books. I like reading, this is going to be odd, Navy SEAL read leadership books. Um, I like no fuss, just hardcore, just hit it with me. I'm, I'm, that's me, personally. I'm so used to God hitting me on the back of the head with 4B2 that I think it's, it's knocked something into me or knocked something out of me where I just want, I just want to tell someone to tell me how it is. Now, I understand that not everyone's at that point or their personality lines up with that. 
So I won't necessarily recommend the books that I read to you. But I'm looking at trying to change who I am and applying his word by changing different things in my life, how I read my Bible, how I pray, how I'm spending time with his word, how I'm reading other books, what am I putting into my life? Because, see, what I know for a fact is who I am is not fulfilling everything of who he called me to be. And so there's a gap and I need to cross it. And in order to get that place, I need to change the way I think, the way I see. I still need encouragement, but I'm not going to you for my encouragement. I'm going to the word. I'm going to him. Because he's my source, not you. It might seem a little bit abrupt, but if I relied on you for everything, if I relied on you, my source of edu- uh, encouragement, <laughs> let's just say if you didn't say thank you or you didn't say, oh, that was great, I might get depressed. We have such a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us that have solved the problems that we have, that relied on the Father like we should that have sought his face, that have gone through the challenges, that have climbed the mountains, that have gone through the valleys of the shadow of death, that have faced health issues, that have faced financial crisis, that have faced relationship issues, that have faced family problems. Look, if you want a great story of family problems, look at Jacob and Esau. God restored them. God brought them back completely. Not in a day, but during a process. There's so many different stories in the Bible where God just comes through. And you'll find that God will be able to come through when you remove yourself. And so the more encouragement you can learn or receive about removing yourself, the faster you can remove yourself in order to get God to come bring a breakthrough for you. I can go on and on and on. I can tell you all different stories that we've been through, that I've been through. I can tell you stories of the of, of stories in the Fox Books of Martyrs of the people who've gone before us. You can read books. You can get all the information you want, but you still got to want it. You still got to go. You know what? I can I can get more than this. If you are content, okay. That's your choice. I just know that God has more for you. I just know that this is not it. I know for a fact, know for a fact, like I stuck my reputation on it. I stuck a house on it. Right? That we came out here to start a church because God had a plan and a purpose for this region. We sold up everything to come out here. I'm not after kudos because we are here. Because I want to see God move in a region that has been forgotten for so long. I want to see God do what he can do. What I've read in the stories of him doing beforehand 
the great moves of God, the ones in the Bible, you know, like Acts, where God moved on Pentecost and thousands of people were saved. I want to read, I want to hear the stories. I want to see the stories for myself. Not just read them and hope and bleed, but I want to see them. I want to see people come into this place because we have churches in here that are just God's doing something. Or when they start writing books about this region, not anyone's name in particular, I just want to put that one out there. This is not about me. Where God is doing something in a region. And people hear about it all over the place and just know that this is God. And they fly in and we're not doing anything different than what we know. And they come in and they get a grasp of it and go, you know what, I'm going to take this home to where we come. Who's to say it can't happen in this simple little place called Garabilba? Or in this region? Who's to say it can't happen? Who's to say that you can't own a multi-million dollar business? Who's to say that you can't do be something that you don't even see yourself as? Who's to say that you can't this way. People come to you for advice. People come to you and go, how did you do that? Who's to say that you don't begin to travel and start teaching and training other people? Who's to say that? Because there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing anywhere that says you can't except what people choose to tell you. Or how you begin to see yourself. Moses thought he was a nobody. He grew up in the palace of Egypt, killed an Egyptian and ran for his life. Spent the next 40 years in the desert as a shepherd. You didn't know shepherds were lowly little people. Okay, no one wanted to be a shepherd. And then God called him. Because he already had one gift, one trait that God needs more than anything else. That's called our Humility. And he took this one man who was found humble and rose him up to be a leader. Now, to give clarification, when the children of Israel left Egypt, it says that there were over 500,000 men. That was not including women and that was not including children. Moses grew up in that role to be a leader of millions. If you think you've got problems... But he's, he's known as a man of faith. Now, he made mistakes. But he was still buried by God. God took him up to the mountain and showed him what he was not able to walk into. And then God buried him. It means he died and buried him. He didn't bury him alive. I don't know how you feel, but that just, that stirs me. Or Enoch. Enoch spent like 120 years. I don't even know, he was 600 and something years old. And the Bible says that God knew him and then he took him. He spent all that time following the ways of God and God was pleased in him and then all of a sudden God said, you know what, I'm bringing you home. There's so many different stories of where God 
brought someone through different situations constantly, over and over again. There's so many different stories in the Bible where it talks about where God comes through, God wants to give you something, God wants to teach you something, God trains someone, God does something, He does this, He brings that, whatever. But if we're not reading it, if we're not trying to eat it, like it, literally you've got to almost get to the point where you're devouring the Word in a constant process of getting into it. It's not just the book that we read every so often. We've got to get to that point of saying, you know what, I want what you have in here, and I want it in here. Because I know if I get that in here, this all changes. Like the man you see before you is not who I was. Do you remember who I was? <laughs> but it's been, a little, well, it almost feels like a lifetime of just change, of going to his word and say, God, this is troubling me, this is something that I allow me, Holy Spirit to bring into me and direct me and correct me and move me and then we got this great idea of starting the church. I was so not like this. It's kind of scary, actually. But it's not because of anything else, because you know what, I say, you know what, God? I need you. I need you. I know that this is not a finished work. I know you're not done with me. When I was saying that, it was at the very beginning. And he'd only just started. Well, it felt like he'd just started. The only thing is, he'd been working the rest of my life to get me to this point. And it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how learned you think you are, he's not done with you. How do I know that? Because you're still here. If he was done with you, you go. And you are more important than the sparrows. You have more worth than the sparrows because Jesus never died for the birds. He did die for you. And he did die for me. He died for you because he knew of your potential. He knew that you, you were worth it. And half the problem that we have is we've got to stop listening to the lies and the rubbish that we've been told our whole entire life and grasp hold of the principles in his word and say, you know what, I choose to believe this over that. Because if I believe that, this is where I stay. If I grasp hold of your principle and believe your principle, then there is unlimited ability for me. There is an unmeasurable ability that you can walk into. You're not defined by what someone says. You're actually defined by what you choose to believe. And you define yourself as you grasp hold of what someone else told you. And I believe that over what his word tells me I am. And if I grasp hold of what his word tells me I am, and I grasp hold of it and I hold on time and say, I choose to believe this. then I am not defined by what someone told me, but I am defined by who my creator told me or created me to be. You are more valuable than the birds. I've seen some pretty fabulous birds. 
you're more valuable than anything else in this world. You have a purpose and a plan. And God wants to use you. And the more you let him, the more he can. And the more you fight the process, the more useless you become. Now, useless isn't worth. Useless means used less. Because the more I fight it, the more used less I am by him. And the more I remain where I am. Now you have a choice because you can remain where you are and that doesn't determine whether or, not you don't, whether or not you walk in eternity or not because the only thing that determines your eternity with him is salvation. And I've received him as my Lord and Saviour that I am saved. But I believe that God just didn't talk, call you for a moment. He called you for a lifetime. And God called you because he knew your potential and said, I have more for you and if you will only believe what I say about you is true if you'll only begin to apply it as that is what's true and release what is not then you can walk in his fullness you can walk in everything he has for you not just in words but in everything I'm not there yet. So I know that the journey set before me isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. And I've got to pace myself. I'm not a big long distance runner, right? I wasn't built for that, I was built for speed. <laughs> you can't have a bit of fun with yourself. You know? Take yourself too serious, you're in issues. It's right, we can deliver that. Right? But I know there's a marathon and I've got to I've got, to, I've got to run this race. And there's things that I come across my path, you know what, it's time to lose that. And I need this, I don't need that, let go of that. But one of the first steps is you've got to really work out what are your priorities. You've got to work out what's important to you. What can you live without? We're about to undertake something next year, which I won't release. I will release at the AGM, is that cool? But... And we've been preparing for this. But next year we get to do something a little bit different. It's a little bit scary. A little bit freaky. It's another step in my faith journey. And believing that, hey, his word is true. Because if I don't test myself, if I don't put myself in a position where I can believe more, then I become stagnant. The next year we're taking another step and we say, you know what, let's do this. A little bit less money. But we've been in the process of doing other things in order to release this and this. We get ourselves in a position to do this. And sometimes God shows you to do this, this and this and you haven't even got this. But you need to do this and this and then he tells you about this so you can go there. God is not a fool. He knows how to play the game. But the first step is you've got to believe. You've got to believe. You've got to start believing that he has your best interest. 
that maybe that thing that you're desiring isn't actually what he wants for you because it's not his best for you. Maybe you're selling yourself short because you're desiring something but it's not his best. And sometimes it's just, you know what, I gotta let go. I just gotta trust him. But this whole series is all about the great cloud of witnesses, those people who have gone before us. People have showed us the way. People have given us the ideas. People have shown us that God is faithful. I'm going to finish up on a word of prayer. It's tea and coffee, there's morning tea. Next Saturday, we've got the men's day. Um, you've got to let me know so you know for catering before, obviously, by the week's out. Um, we will meet in my place at 8 o'clock again. Again. The original plan. Um, we'll carpool it out there. Um, we got all this amateur shit we bought, so <laughs> if you don't come, I'm just going to have more fun. Uh, <laughs> Same things, everything's the same, right? $40 cash. Uh, if, you got, if you don't have one of those forms, we've got forms at the back. Otherwise, you can download them. Next Saturday, be a great day out. But we'll pray. Because I want to encourage you that he's not done with you. He's just, he's not. And you'll know the day that he's done with you because you get to walk into glory. You get to walk into glory as a finished work. And if you're not in the glory yet, you're not done yet. And he wants his best for you. Because he don't make junk. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word. That your word is not just words on a page, but it is a living word. It is the stories of how you related to different people in different circumstances and situations. They're stories of who you are. Father, I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Father, I want to thank you that you love us more than we could understand or comprehend. Father, right now I speak your hand upon each one of us, your blessings and your favour, your increase. Father, I speak dreams and visions on your people that we would begin to see life as you have it, that Zoe life. But we begin to dream of things that we haven't even comprehended yet that are totally, absolutely possible in our potential. That you would give us dreams of visions of what is going to transpire. Things that you have called us to. That we would begin to believe that you have called us for a great purpose. That you have great plans in us. And this is not the level of our maximum potential. 
But in that journey of reaching our maximum potential is also the journey of a greater relationship with you. So Father, I declare revelation in this place over each and every one of us. Increase and favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.